Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mepropod. 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 The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a bacon feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the witch-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. Are you good to go? I am good to go, which means... He can't fly, but I'm telling you... Welcome to February number 158. It is April 4th, 2019, uh, and we have returned. Um, we are back with MEPReport um, Power. We are all here. Um, actually, Russ and I are uh, visible on video, which none of the audio people listening, of course, will know. But Story is not. You're not visible to them. Well, Story, well, well, Story you've got like the more OG, like, like the purest organic form of audio, right? Because you're like, you know. Everything is theater of the mind with story right now. Like I have no visible in the form of a gray screen with his name on it. His name, (laughs) just story. I actually am not a corporeal being right now. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, just a figment of their imagination. When we all inevitably upload our consciousnesses to the internet, this is what it'll be like. Right. It'll just be a name. It'll just be. It'll just be like you know that some of the like old fifty stuff is all like we'll all be brains and stuff. It's like no, we'll just be a name. We'll just actually be a a name. And what font is that that even? Do we get to change the font? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Our our whole like future is going to be our brains in Comic Sans. Um, But we are here, and and I got to say, guys, I got I was listening a little bit to uh, one of our very old shows from back in two thousand six on the way back, and I realized that you know we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff like Kim Jong Il, like previous North Korea dictator, and all the other things. But I got to tell you, I got to clue you guys in on the greatest current thing, the greatest current sport that exists. And it is about following politics and not our politics. It's about following Brexit. Let me tell you, watching the House of Commons slash the House of Lords is worth the price of admission. It is so much fun uh, to watch another country tear itself apart. No, um, it's so, but it's, it's just like everything about it is just like one thing is just for A, all of them, even the terrible ones, are just so much better as speakers. And, and you all, you guys will, of course, be with me on this. Like, it's just so nice to hear people that know how to speak. That's just such a pleasure, you know, instead of people dealing with advanced dementia pretending to be president. It's well, so nice to have, like... I mean, know, that, that being true, like, speakers. my memory goes immediately back to competing against Canadian debaters in college. I did not say Canadian parliament. <laughs> I said British parliament. Because it's right, because you know what it is? Because I, I was watching uh, I was watching the House of Commons debates and I was just saying all these wonderful, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is great, whatever. And then I went and I happened to, I noticed on YouTube, they had like a link to like Canadian parliament. And I'm just here to tell you, now I, look, I have, I love, you know, I my one of my former publishers is Canadian. I love Canada. I meant, Canadian parliament Canada. sucks. Canadian Parliament sucks. Like, they don't know how to speak. (laughs) It's the same thing. They're just kind of like, like, literally, so in the House of Commons, right, you get up to speak, and the person's just like, you know, um, Sir William Cash, Sir Peter Bone, 
So Oliver Ledwin, you know, like all of these names. And they get up and like, thank you, Mr. Speaker, or Jacob Rees-Mogg. You know, like, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And thank you, the right honorable gentleman, blah, 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 right? And, and everyone is doing the like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it all seems very, uh, you know, appropriate and classy. And the Canadians, literally a guy gets up to speak and everyone's like, like they're just clapping behind him. I'm like, what is this? Like his kindergarten, like clapping. And he's like, I'm, I'm here to speak in favor of um, this rule. And I want to, I don't think the prime minister understands what he's saying. Clap, clap. What is this? Toastmasters? Canada, get your shit together. I want, I want honest to God. Like, and I love Canada, but they have got to get their politics in order. These folks, like when they write are impressive when they speak like individually just on a one-on-one personal basis are impressive, but their parliament is garbage when it comes to rhetoric. What is going on? Like I get, please go, go house of commons, man. That's where it's at. Or the house of Lords, mostly because house of Lords is a little more refined. And instead of the green benches, it's the red benches and they all step and they all say things like, um, my Lords, my noble Lords, my Lords. Like it's just watching a Shakespeare play sort of laid out. But I'm telling you, as opposed you, to saying my noble rabble, my my, my, commoners, my noble commons, my well, ordinary people. But there, the, even the their insults are good. From Westfordshire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Even their <laughs> insults are good. Like, dude, their insults. This guy was basically get up. And he's like, um, does one my noble lord realize, um, as a hereditary peer, does he wonder about how it looks to present himself in this way in front of the entire nation? And the guy says. Well, I think it's interesting that the uh, that my noble lord on the opposite bench makes that claim. I'm here because my great great grandfather was appointed by Queen Victoria. He's here because Queen Elizabeth the second listened to Tony Blair. Clearly, a difference between the two of us. And I'm like, oh damn! Did you just talk smack about two hereditary titles that you had nothing to do with and that you have no like particular merit to earning? But both of you are just like talking smack. It was like it was like throwdown aristocratic style. It was great. Like Even the that's the British Empire. There's both uh, smack talk between people who didn't earn the stuff they've got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's totally uh, like, but I just, I really, I've enjoyed every part of it. The, the, even like the votes are done awesomely. Like in the house of commons, he walks forward, does the whole, um, order, order the nose to the right or the, you know, the eyes to the right, 313, the nose to the left, 310. So the eyes have it. The eyes have it unlock because they literally lock the doors of the house of commons when they have the vote and then unlock and they call back and they unlock the doors because they're like this and they were they were even arguing over like the privy why council been, why hasn't it been the plot to a v for vendetta like movie recently? right well it, it, it they was they were going to blow up parliament right like guy fox style like they even were making arguments about the what the function of the privy council was in 1604 and i'm like this is the kind of debate that i want in my life like we we ought to make policy based upon how the privy council operated in 1604 it just there was just it's just so classy and so much more intelligent than our politics and, I, i've always been Curious, but removed from the notion of like hereditary titles and things. Not only because I don't have any personally, but like I'm so far like <laughs> nonsense. You're a Sir Guberman. Like I can't even track my family past like a generation and a half, or like two generations max. Like past my grandparents, it's all like fog of war, and I have no idea about anything. <laughs> fog of war, and almost literally fog of war. It's like I, you know, we get like very vague stories. Like yes, your grandparents lived in the old country, and then people hated Jews and then they moved. And that's like, 
repeat that every three or four hundred years, going back like three thousand years. So Ladies and gentlemen, the history of Jewish experience. Nobody ever lived anywhere. Everyone was a simple peasant who was like a shoemaker or a baker or a rabbi or like a, maybe a local chess master is like the most exciting thing I hear. <laughs> but like or all those things at once. <laughs> nothing trackable. There's no paper. None. Like they must have hated paperwork for two thousand years. Like nobody <laughs> took any records or did any paperwork. They just like scrawled their name in dirt in it with a stick in the ground for, so that their family knew who they were. And then well, storytelling. It's true. You need paperwork as a key. Did you, I, I did not realize this. So I may have talked about before on here, but I am actually descended in direct line from Roger Sherman, um, who was one of the original signers of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and was arguably responsible for the existence of the Constitution because he created the uh, big states versus large states compromise, not the slave compromise, let me say, the two-thirds of a man. Which For a second, a- I thought you were going to say something like he was like really into making parchment or something like that. So yeah, exactly. But that very was very instrumental to the creation of the constitution. Yeah, actually he was very critical to that. No. Um, but so he did that. So I knew about that, but what I did not know, I was talking, I was Senamine and I were talking about like, uh, she's doing this whole American revolution, uh, and then American experience post revolution, uh, thing in, in school. So we were talking about different aspects of that. And we talked about Amistad, right? The slave ship mm-hmm. that they made a movie about or whatever. What I did not realize is, so when the ship arrived, um, and was taken over by, uh, African slaves had basically killed their enslavers and had, um, the people that were left had uh, tricked them into steering close to the United States. Um, and then the Spanish government basically wanted the slaves returned to them as property. And in the actual case, the person who argued the case, uh, who was John Quincy Adams, um, basically argued that you know they were actually free and that they should not be returned. And that Otherwise known as Paul Giamatti. Uh, correct. No, no, no. That was John Adams, not oh, John Quincy sorry. Adams. Son, son of John Paul Quincy D. Adams is his son. Right. But yes, yeah, all connected though. And by the way, that that series, by the way, with Giamatti is incredible. Like, um, but anyway, so yeah, so he he did that. But what I did not realize is that Roger Sherman's son actually was the one who was the other lawyer on that case. So I was also descended from the dude who helped argue to keep slaves free. Um, from I was like, yes. It's like when you find out the history and you don't have to be like, well, because most of my history beyond like in Scotland involved my clan being ambushed. Like the Wilson clan is exceptionally good at being ambushed and like walking <laughs> in stupid situations. And the best I could say is that we somehow all survived enough for me to exist. So like we, we don't, we're, our, our skill is to be yeah. almost wiped out, but not entirely in ambushes. But because now some I have point, something I can hang my hat on. Roger and, and the, you know, Amistad. At some point in the wilderness of Scotland, you befriended a furbolg druid and an elven champion. I did. I did indeed. I was just talking to someone about Dark Age of Camelot, and they were like, hey, have you heard about this game, Dark Age of Camelot? I'm like, have I heard about it? Let me tell you the good word. I've created several lifelong addictions to that game. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I have. Yeah, I was super excited, though. Story, um, what, what's your past history that like brings a, you, there's gotta be something, some Clayton did some badass, awesome thing in the past, right? Like there was somewhere. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like I, you know, we, you, there's a lot of Nevada history and like, you know, ranching and stuff. Um, but I, no, I mean, I'm not really aware of 
the uh, the most oh, grandson of Roger Sherman. Sorry to interrupt. I just noticed it was no, no, no. I want to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still direct line. Still, right. you know. Also, we'll add your ties to Connecticut are very evident because Sherman was like the representative yep. from Connecticut in the Continental Congress. Which That's exactly right. Exactly. And it was said once of him that he never said a silly word or a stupid word. Um, he was not known as being like a very prodigious speaker, but whenever he spoke, everyone listened because he very seldom spoke and it was always smart. So they say, all right, now that I've talked myself yeah. about something that I had literally no control over either, I will now give way to story. That's what you do in the house of commons, by the way, you give way instead of point information, you say, will he give way? So I will now give way. To okay. Story. So because that, everyone in the House of Commons is running full speed at each other at all so times. you always have to give way. <laughs> right. It's called the right of way in the commons. You just yeah. do laps around it. Anyway, so yeah. So sorry, sorry. So you, you don't oh, no. know. You I mean, know. I, yeah. The, I think the most interesting thing I have in my family is that there is, um, there's, I'm like an eighth uh, Roma, you know, what we used to call gypsies. Right. Uh, not anymore. Yeah. Allegedly. Although I want to, you know. I kind of want to do one of these DNA tests to confirm how much of it, but apparently one of my great grandparents, which I think is equivalent of eighth, um, was was always described in the family as gypsy Czech, so was was Roma of some kind. So that's where, and it's also funny because I have like kind of a weirdly olive complexion for a, given that like I'm you know seventy five percent like Swedish and German and Irish and English and all of these like mm -hmm. pale you know ridiculous colors so but i have this like olive complexion so i presume it comes from that so that's about as interesting as it gets i don't really know anything about that part of it but you so know. you're so you're roma does they, this does this cause you i i can think of many i mean so i mean this, this explains the story's policy of not living in a place for more than five years right, right yeah right. it actually does hold up pretty well absolutely yeah for sure Exactly. Also, yeah. his pension to live um, occasionally in um, in like wagons, covered wagons, uh, right. and well, to yeah, and to yeah. to you know. Mm. Can I can I tell you a um, a stupid theory that I had about the Jewish people when I was thinking about this kind of thing recently? Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's common knowledge that a lot of Jews live in coastal cities like New York and Los Angeles, and then the common explanation for that is so that you can like escape on a boat if the country that you're in turns against you at any given time how often is that i mean come on like what um but but my thought was what if they were actually all descended from mer people so that <laughs> they just really didn't know why but they always found themselves drawn to the salt water so they could just dive in and live in the water. I was gonna say, how many is it like a splash where like you whenever you actually go into the sea, you turn into a mermaid, you're just like mermaid. You're like, I've never actually done it. I just sort of Yeah, like, the like mermaid. latent epigenetic switch turns on. Yeah. It's like I mean, because I've always felt like my people, by which I mean like my father's family very specifically, were like relatively hairless and very comfortable in the water. And I'm like, fish people. Fish people. Is there is there a reason though that you would have thought like well, generally, we've been in these places because we want to live in the coast so we can escape if things go bad. And you're like, or mer people, like, what? <laughs> like I don't. I'm, I'm just trying I to believe that thought occurred to me while I was floating on my back in my lap pool down the street. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I am I'm a like, merman. I feel so comfortable. Why is that? I probably there's some kind of adaptation going on. Probably. Most people do not feel comfortable unless they are mer people. I, I, I always, I mean, you, you vaguely look a little bit like Captain uh, Namor, you know, from. Uh, What's his name? Submariner, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Water Spock. Like yeah, wa exactly. Water Spock. Mm -hmm. You might look a little bit like uh, might look a little bit like that. It is true, actually, that I do think there is something to be said. Like, like both um, my kids, but especially my daughter, uh, Senamine is just 
about water is she's just all about it. Like any kind of water, frozen water. She loves snow. Obviously water slides, pools, wave pools, like anything, anything that involves water. She loves huge waves and oceans. She's not totally wild about because it's a little. Oh, why not? But you know, because yeah, you know, huge wa- like like Sharknado. She's not crazy, but no. Um, <laughs> but like a lot of general like water stuff, she really, she really yeah. Loves. Like when we we went down to the Great Barrier Reef when we were in Australia, um, I'd never snorkeled before in my life, and this was a snorkeling. Snorkeling fun, yeah. To look at the coral and the fish and everything. Yeah, and they just load you down with all this gear. I'm like, I'd never swam with flippers before. So I, the kick that I developed on my own, like my whole life is like not being trained in things and then finding out as an adult that I do them the wrong way. And it's inconvenient for some reason or other. Like I hold a pencil weird because I invented it when I was five and I kick, you know, my kick is useless for wearing flippers because I kick like sideways. So the flippers are just like fighting me. and They don't make me any faster. So I basically, and then I didn't want the life vest either. Because I'm just like, this is heavy and I don't need to be extra buoyant. I'm like naturally buoyant and I, especially in salt water in the ocean. So I just like, I forgot about the life vest. I forgot about the flippers. I just had like the waterproof camera hanging around my neck and was just kind of like bobbing up and down in the ocean. But even the mask, it was like not letting me breathe. So I'm just like, I don't want any of this stuff. I'm just going to swim around in the ocean. And but how can you see without the mask? But like, how do you, you can't see. Yeah, but the mask is connected to the thing that chokes your nose. So I didn't. How like do you that. breathe? What do you, you just? Was you your just hold your breath? You hold your breath. You look around underwater. You take some pictures, and you come back up. No, but that, that no snorkeling is where you don't have to do that. You just no. It's like a, like a clam diver. Like clam divers don't wear jack. They just go. You see what they need. Yeah, because they're not looking at clams. They're going down to get clams, pick them up, and then they go back up. They're not like staring down. Look at the beauty uh, of clams. I don't. I don't know what you know. Islander people the famous clam divers come from, but they have like this very specific adaptation where their eyes focus and they can see things underwater better than anyone else in the world. It's like, mm-hmm. that's like that kind of thing. It's like, that's really feel, what it is. I don't want the gear. That's really what it is though. You go around to all of these places, picking up different adaptations, like the thing with your, your stupid, like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm rogue from your flipper <laughs> shoe. Well, right. Like you, you want to just pick all these things up so you can eventually become like an ur human, you know, like just be, have all the things combine and like all the adaptations like at some point you're gonna be telling us like yeah so when we climbed mount everest and i saw some of the mountain goats up there and i was like you know i don't really need any of these parkas or heat stuff i just like i just want to stand here on in my bare feet in the snow seven thousand feet above and just you know like that's it what is, I, it is again i don't know why but it's very appealing to me like even when we're we take lulu to the pool down the street and she's been swimming since she's a, and by swimming, I mean comfortable with the water, not that she can swim on her own, but doing Olympic laps <laughs> now that she's due. But we've never put her in with any kind of floaty, anything, no safety wings, no vest. We just like, she either rides on my shoulder or she's holding onto the wall and she can climb in and out of the pool via the wall. And it's just like, I feel like she'll learn faster that way rather than feeling like she can float around and not feel like what the water feels like when it pulls on you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important too to be able to get a sense of drowning. I think it's good to get a sense <laughs> yeah. of what it's like when you can't yeah. breathe, and and, and the, she's the terror now. sucked under. I think is her real thing good. is she just hangs out on the stairs where she can stand up, and she like literally leaps at me as high and far as she can until she like is underwater, and I pick her up, and then she goes back to the stairs and does it again like a hundred times in a row. Mm-hmm. It's great. No. Eventually, eventually you, you fail to drown, and that's when you start swimming. <laughs> you, it all works out at the point when you are no longer capable of not drowning, like <laughs> drowning successfully. 
I don't know. I well, were you so because you were always comfortable. So, story, were you comfortable in uh, in swimming? Like, when oh, you, you guys know my origin. No, he, does, swimming, he right? doesn't like swimming. Yeah, no, I I still can't swim to this day. But I we talked um, about the being unbreakable thing, right? Like this, we've had this conversation about you being like the dude from Unbreakable. Um, maybe I vaguely remember. That's his know. one thing. Like his one like super weakness is that uh, he can't handle. Can't yeah, water. and he didn't know that he was had superpowers because he like grew up in Seattle or something, or it right. was always raining, so he always felt kind of poor. Oh, poor. right, right, right. Yeah, no, I have like twelve hundred of those though. I like can't ride a bike. I like can't, you know. I also hold my pencil wrong, although that's in a different category. Um, How did you yeah. get around in Albuquerque? Was it just cars when you lived there in the wide open spaces, or yeah, no you biking? Walk until you can, you know, you get driven. I mean, yeah, Albuquerque is incredible. Albuquerque is like LA as car culture. Like mm. everything's super spread out. It's like strip malls and whatever. You just have to, you have to drive everywhere. That's all there is to it. And uh, that's why the driving age. I mean, when I lived there, the driving age was fourteen years, eight months, and you could get a permit fourteen. And the permit standard was in the car with a licensed driver. So you could have a fourteen-year-old with. A fourteen-year, eight-month person who just got their license, and you're good to go. Man, what I like about that is that you could, you could then drive yeah, interstate, totally. drive to New York, drive into the city, technically be legal, and be oh, like, yeah. "Hey, I know how to drive." And then New York hits you, and you're like, "Ah!" <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, when I first drove to New York at twenty-one, it was no better. I mean, I might as well have been twelve. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing in the world that would prepare me for Manhattan driving. I'm still yes, ready. that's true. I, I would it, rather swim, probably. Well, so, but Can I, I ask a question. Have either yeah. of you guys come across the electric? Hello? <laughs> he said too much. He said the electric. He's been taken out. My internet connection is unstable. Can no, you that, was, that was really funny. You, yeah, the reaction was you were like, have either of you heard of the electric? Have either of you come across was, that? And I'm like, no, they got to him. Not anymore. <laughs> we'll never know what it is. too much. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like the scene from uh, crimson dawn sir we don't know what this is we could like they're fueling their missiles um sorry uh so you were saying we have, have we ever come, come across, across the electric scooter phenomenon in your neighborhoods or relative cities electric bike now but I, i've seen a little bit of the scooter but electric bike is becoming a big thing no alex was in dallas recently and rode one and said it was like the most fun she's had in a long time it's pretty great like the way you described albuquerque in la it's like mm. kind of the perfect transitional transportation solution because it's, you know, it's clean, right? especially in my neighborhood where it's impossible to park and I'm constantly parking a half mile to a mile away from where we live. Mm -hmm. So I'm always just walking all over the neighborhood. Pokemon helps, but I would still <laughs> rather not walk a mile just to get home. So I usually just find one of these things and I turn it on and I zip around on sidewalks and it's amazing. That sounds, that sounds what, what do you say you find one of these things as in you find it and then repurpose it by which we mean steal it like, I don't, like no, they're rentals they just they're rentals they literally started the program by just dumping 10,000 of them at various spots in the city and just watching what happened there's almost no rhyme or reason to it and so some people vandalize them but most of the people oh lord it's a child getting murdered in murdered. um <laughs> Most people just, you know, use them. So you just find one, you, you turn on your phone app that activates it, you know, via Bluetooth, and then it tracks your mileage and you pay, you know, whatever it is, a buck 75 for driving it for 10 minutes. But it's, you know, they go up to 15 miles an hour, which is a big difference from trying to walk a half a mile.
So this is a classic example of a coastal city startup that will collapse in about two years with seven quadrillion dollars of venture capital. Oh, debt, completely. Right? There's like no model for profitability and <laughs> nor was that, that the idea even. They're just like, here's a bunch of venture capital. Let's see if this works. We support the notion that this can help reduce congestion. And now they're like six different companies and six different brands of these electric scooters that you can find. You have six different apps for. Of course there are. Um, and for a while I was even doing the... Um, they don't even have like staff to charge these things. They just rely on the people in the neighborhoods to take them into their house or their garage and charge them overnight and you get paid to do that. Excuse me. Bless you. So for a while I was doing for Bird, which was the, probably the first major one of these companies, which is like a $4 billion company that we have no idea whether we'll ever be profitable or not. Um, right. Spoiler alert. I would charge them and they would give you like between five and 20 bucks. Voice, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's turning out, yeah, as they're tightening the screws, we realize that this was not a profitable enterprise. Um, but yeah, I would like, at night I could capture them as if I, because I was, you know, there's a different mode for when you're going to bring them home and charge them. So I could just like ride around for free for miles until the battery ran out and put it in my garage, charge it, get paid, drop it off in the morning. And then like pairing... <laughs> oh boy! The freeze frames on the video. I wish folks at home could see the freeze frames. On the rest <laughs> no, of the video. Like, it's really pairing. the pairing. He's like looking up to find out. Yeah, there we go. Yes, the pairing. What the pairing? Did that sentence not finish? Yeah, you were saying the pairing, pairing. and then you stared up at the ceiling. The pairing, um, the pairing of bird charging and playing Pokemon was a very potent cocktail. I found of. Bird like, is it called? It's called bird. You said yeah, and and people who charge them are called like bird hunters, um, or bird watchers. So you have two different apps. One of which is an alternate reality game where you find little Pokemon on your map in your city, and the other one is an uh -huh. alternate reality game where you find scooters on your map of the city that you get paid for. Right. Like, so now like, we know why Rolex and find a twenty dollars scooter <laughs> that is in somebody's yard. <laughs> this is, by the way. I'm typically resistant to this kind of language, but like the best example of white privilege of mine that I've ever had is the fact that I will like stroll into somebody's garage randomly in my neighborhood looking for a bird that somebody's <laughs> abandoned. I know nobody's going to shoot me. Anything, you know, I'm just like, I'm just going to take this public property scooter that you have in your garage and sure. 20 bucks for it as I ride off. You know what I love about this is that uh, the already you can see that they are literally blurring the lines for us so that he's like, oh, you get a Snorlax and then you get a $20 scooter and eventually it's going to be, I got a Scooterlax, snor Snortle, Snorter. I was riding the other day a Pokemon and I was riding Pikachu and he did, right? Like that's, that's the end game of this. The end game of this is where he is going to end up riding um, – the actual like feeling as if he's writing the actual creatures from Pokemon. And your problem with this is, uh, I mean, <laughs> you're basically like what the problem is, is that Russ is going to end up in his absolute dream fantasy. <laughs> oh no, this is not a problem for Russ. I'm talking about everybody around Russ. I'm not concerned about Russ. I'm concerned about everyone else yeah. who has to. Russ is going to be walking around with a virtual reality helmet, just grabbing right. an air, going right. 20 miles an hour down the street on a scooter. <laughs> I'm getting a Snorlax. Like, you know, I, I have to say too, like I and I've seen some of this on Twitch. There is nothing stupider. I want to be clear to anyone within the sound of my voice. There is nothing stupider than broadcasting yourself in VR on Twitch because they show you on camera 
looking like a dork, like standing there, like waving your arms, flailing wildly or whatever, as you're like staring into this thing. I don't know why people would think this is a good idea. They're watching the game. If you don't want to show yourself, like if you're doing VR, don't have a camera. There's no reason to show yourself staring and looking like a moron into a virtual reality thing. Just show the game and don't like, but they, they're like, oh, but this is, it's, it's real. It feels as if you're connecting with the person. I'm like a person who is resolutely intent on not connecting with you. That's, that's the, you know, that's the key point of VR. Can I tell you about the moment when I realized that charging scooters would not be a profitable endeavor for me? Because I tried, for like two weeks, I'm like, this is a part-time job. This is a part-time job. I'm just going to go around at night, collect all the scooters, charge a whole bunch of them, and make an extra, you know, $2,000 a month or something like that. Okay. The problem, the main problem with these is that you have to, you have to set them up in the neighborhood between 4 and 7 a.m., which is not fun, especially if you're collecting them at 11 at night. Um, so what I would do is I would park my car as close as I could because I would need it to go load all the scooters in the morning from my garage where they were charging. And I'd parked it on La Brea where you get towed past 7 a.m. But I'm like, I'll be up before 7 a.m. So I'll just get the car. It'll be fine. So, of course, I oversleep by like seven minutes. I take the scooter that was charging in my garage, ride it out to my car. My car is not there. I call up the number on the, the sign. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just we're in a garage. We towed your car. It's down in West Adams. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are so far away. And now I don't have a car. And I have to go get my car. But you have a scooter. Yeah. I have a scooter that is in no way equipped to go six miles in rush hour across the city of Los Angeles into neighborhoods where they do not drop scooters at all. But I had no choice because I'm like, I'm not going to wake up Stephanie and tell her how stupid I am. (laughs) Yeah, save that for the podcast. Right, 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 right. So I'm like, I, I, I charged the battery. Battery's full. Let's go, baby. So I took sidewalks for because I did not feel comfortable driving these scooters in the street still in L.A. traffic. So I'm going on sidewalks for six miles through neighborhoods where there aren't even ramps on the sidewalk. So it's just like you have to pick There it aren't up even sidewalks. <laughs> oh, we got the internet connection. Is this what it used to be like to podcast with me? Before? Yep. Yeah, it was. That's a good time. Yeah, it was. It's very nice now. We don't and everything is ready to kill you. Is this is this just like happening constantly? Yeah. Uh, it's happening about once every few minutes. Um, uh, Hold on. I'm going to go canvas my household to see how many different internet streaming things are going on at one time. Okay. Touche. That's too bad because I want to hear more about this, uh, yes, this uh, thing with the scooters. Well, see, this is not like, I mean... It's it's not viable in New York because you'll just be shot if you, they, you try to ride those things. And then it's uh, in West Virginia, it's not viable, I imagine, because everything's too spread out. Well, right? yeah. Well, right. it's mostly hills. It's just it's very uneven, which I don't imagine is good for the scooter culture. But the e-bike thing would work, actually. I was actually reading that um, a lot of people were arguing that e-bikes are actually better for you because people ride them all the time. And so okay. you are because there is some pedaling going on. And you ride them way more than if you were riding on a you know bike where you're like, oh, God, I got to go up and down hills. Therefore, it's actually better for you long term to have an yeah. e-bike, which you use because you'll use it constantly is the argument. So I don't know. Plus, they'll There's... come to your bike party if you send them an e-bike. Right. No. That's, a... that's, that's <laughs> totally, absolutely not the case. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, is, is, uh, is like, what about like Morgantown? Like, is that, a, is that, 
a viable like scooter bike city or not really? Um, I, I the hills the hills are alive, man. The hills there's a lot of hills <laughs> here. That's all I'm gonna say. It's a very so I just I now I haven't been on a scooter, so I don't know like if balance is an issue. You know, not being a bike rider at all, I imagine balance is always an issue. Like that's just how I envision the world is just a free falling balance disaster. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I imagine, I imagine it's a problem. I imagine we're not going to be the next great Scooterville USA, <laughs> but uh, but I don't know for sure. So wait, so so you didn't? So I understand the thing about not swimming. So you don't like bikes either. What what is the not the no bike thing? Like why? Well, I just never learned. So I, I would not let my parents take the training wheels off ever. And eventually I kind of realized this wasn't going to happen. And uh, so I asked them to, to, they bought me a very nice bike when I was, you know, nine or 10 or something. And uh, I asked them to sell it at a certain point. I'm like, this is just never going to happen. So let's stop. Let's stop pretending. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't. So I have, a, I have a really hard time doing things that I can't, um, intellectually understand. I have to like fully be able to intellectualize something. You don't intellectually understand the phys- physics. Do yeah, and it just doesn't. It, it doesn't. The balance of it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't I see. seem like it should work. And it never felt like it should make sense. It like it doesn't. It just doesn't add up. So I could never like grasp it at an intellectual level. And so then I didn't have the confidence or the faith that it would actually happen. Um, cause uh-huh. I felt horrendously unstable, um, just felt awful being on a bicycle. So yeah, even with the training wheels, it felt like really unstable and it just didn't make any sense. I'm like, how does something with two tiny thin wheels stay up because of momentum? It doesn't make any damn sense. So it just never, it just didn't turn over. And then, you know, when I could drive a car, cars go a lot faster than bikes made a lot more sense. I was like, okay, that's true. This is something, you know, there just wasn't any need for it. I mean, it's that, you know, I, I don't want to say it's the same thing with alcohol because I think alcohol is in kind of a different category, but it's like, you know, I have a long history of just saying like, ah, my life is fine without the thing that everyone else in the world is doing, whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sorry. It's okay. I, um, I heard that story. But yeah. I just didn't know whether I was fully connected or not. Uh-huh. And I've killed my video in an attempt to conserve internet. To conserve it, the internet. So tell us, so, uh, so Russ, radio the story about the, the video star. Radio yeah. killed the Russ. Yeah. Um, tell us uh, tell us more about this thing where you were traveling through neighborhoods that were not. I have this image, by the way, that at a certain point, they just weren't even sidewalks. Like you were just on dirt. And you're just kind I of mean, like. They were really chewed up not meant to be ridden anything on sidewalks with no slopes so they weren't meant for wheeled vehicles or skateboards anymore yeah um i was going through like little el salvador and there were like school kids like yipping at me trying to mess me up on my scooter so that i would fall over like it was like really (laughs) harrowing (laughs) and um i used up like 75 percent of the scooter's battery so clearly it was not meant to be doing this in one (laughs) trip it's like a whole day's worth of scooting (laughs) Uh, got to the tow place, got my car, put the scooter in the trunk of my car, drove home, recharged the scooter, dropped it off, and I got five bucks. And the tow only cost me like 370 to get the car out, so it was pretty good. 
So that's a net negative 365 for your friends from Brandeis. Yeah, so I'm like, do you know how much charging I'm going to have to do to get back to zero? Like, that. this really sucks. Wow. I assume that went over And it was at that point I stopped trying to do it for a living. Yeah, well. Well, just don't I mean, well, don't miss it by seven minutes. Like, that's, that's well, the thing. You can't quit while you're behind. I mean, now you got to Yeah, I know. Up. Right, exactly. Like, like, got to throw, gotta throw good scooters guy. after bad scooters. Right. right. It's the gambler non-fallacy. It's yeah. the, you know, you know now so i just treated it as a fun thing after that where it's like if i happen i and rather than collecting five dollar scooters i enjoy looking for the twenty dollar ones which are almost mythical in nature which are the ones that are like disappeared for weeks and weeks and they think they're gone and the company's like we're happy to give you twenty dollars because we assume these scooters don't exist anymore or in somebody's shed being repurposed for like a mad max vehicle or something <laughs> so well, those are really fun to find wait, wait i don't understand so wait they they so they basically, it's like they send you out on salvage operations for these these scooters? Well, you just have a map and you have a bunch of like last known coordinates of scooters with prices on them, depending what on is how this? long. How do like venture capitalists do anything? Are you, again, are you like, surprised that Russ is drawn to this? No, <laughs> I mean, no, of course not. I'm not at all. I just want to go back to what you were talking it's about. It's like playing Borderlands in real life. It's no, great. exactly, exactly. I, but I want to go back to what Story said. Like, this is the thing I can't intellectually wrap my mind around. Like, Explain to me how, like, all you hear is about the genius of venture capital. These people are idiots. Like, they're just like, I tell you what, let's throw a bunch of money, and then we're going to send people out and hope they find scooters, like some bizarre, low-stakes Mad Max game. Like, what, what, is, what do you mean? You're just wandering around it looking is, for scooters? It is unusually trusting of a company to be like, well... We're going to drop these off at random points in the community without conferring with like the city council and or any for the best. Government. And we're going to rely on random customers to take care of these scooters and keep maintenance and charge them. And we're not going to do any of that. And we're going to make money off of this somehow. I, I... And of course, so of course, there are people who just like throw them into the ocean. That happens. But there are also <laughs> people charge them and wipe them down and leave them for you in the morning. Those, <laughs> those are $50, those scooters, <laughs> the what they throw into the ocean. It's fine. The ocean was clean otherwise. So. Yeah. Okay. So, scooters end up in the ocean. I mean, yeah. How do you measure, like, the environmental impact of, like, this program? Scooters like, it's saving ocean. some miles from cars that are emitting CO2. Uh, some of the scooters go in the ocean. Some go in the garbage. <laughs> some of them get driven around. You measure. But like, there's no, there's no, like, there's no thing where you take the scooter and you drive it somewhere and then you're obligated to tell them where you dropped it off. You're not just like, all right, good luck no. with your scooter. Have a good I mean, time. This is literally how ridiculous it is. I often go to La Brea Tarpets Park for Pokemon hunting and now I often will scoot over there. So one day I was scooting over there and I was scooting into the park, which is a lovely path, wonderful place to scoot. The security guard was like putting his hand up and being like, no scooters, no scooters. So I'm like, okay. So like almost in stride, I just like release the scooter as it's moving and let it skid on the pavement and then click on my app that I'm done riding it. And I'm like, it's not my problem anymore. You're like, do you get extra points for the discount? It's just like, that was a... It's like, sorry, I have no responsibility for this thing I wrote in on it. Somebody else's problem now. Bye. Disposable culture. Here we go. Wow. That is really epic. It feels very, you know, that's almost, there's all, I can almost kind of respect that level of disposability, like that level of just like, it's so hardcore evil that it's just like, well, you know, here you go. Godspeed, little well, scooter. On the other side of the coin, when I'm in charger or juicer mode, if you're doing a lime scooter, because limes have juicers and birds have hunters and chargers, 
Um, these people are all six. All of these venture capitalists are six years old. They're all six. When I'm in charger mode, I'm this like going Hunter out and, and finding birds that have fallen over on the sidewalk and like picking them up and setting them up in their kickstand and lining them up nicely because you have a sense of responsibility for like this as a subcontractor to this crazy startup company. Story, I feel like the simulation is really glitching now. Isn't that fair to say? Like we really, there is. No, Russ is coming this in. This is all glitching. Player. No, no, no. I mean, no. I mean, life. I mean, life. The simulator has glitched. Oh yeah. Have you seen? Have you seen on Twitter? They are now selling mayonnaise with cream egg pieces. Have you seen this? It's mayonnaise. You know what I do with anything mayonnaise related? Cadbury. No, you cream egg there pieces. Sounds like inverted deviled eggs to me. But but here's my point. That. Plus what Russ just described, like, and he's like, so you, if you're a bird and you find hunters and if you're a lot, I'm like, what is this? This is a terrible, terrible Minecraft simulation. This is an awful Minecraft simulation. What are we doing? What are we doing in the name of God? What is this? To be fair, it sounds like a decent Minecraft simulation. I mean, let's not be too. <laughs> it's an okay. Yeah. It's an okay quality <laughs> Minecraft simulator. But like, I mean, like, like somebody little, sat in a boardroom and was like, yeah, I think it's a good idea to have lime and then there's like a juicer and then this is a bird and it's a hunter and we'll send it out there and we don't know if it'll come back but we're going to hope for the best what is this yeah and of course beverly hills immediately banned them completely so you can't scoot in beverly hills sure beverly hills is like if you, if you can't afford a car don't come into our town <laughs> mm-hmm. right um yeah and various cities have dealt with them in different ways and set up rules and they over time have now communicated with the company and they have like no scooter zones that they've set up in various places so you can't drop them off or pick them up there but for the most part especially in the beginning which is a free-for-all oh and by the way there's like almost to the level of like gang level turf in terms of people who are longtime chargers of course there are. Are like if you try to pick up and charge a scooter and some guy in a pickup truck with 50 scooters in it drives by he might like start yelling at you or drive his car at you because he's like these scooters are mine this is my living so there's that that oh, goes man. on in many parts of la too and Beverly Hills. <laughs> it is interesting that that, though, is the Beverly Hills apocalypse. Like, most apocalypses, like, you know, it's split screen, right? Like, the Mad Max apocalypse is the dude playing the uh, flame-throwing guitar, and the Beverly Hills apocalypse is some guy in a pickup driving around electric scooters. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the Beverly Hills apocalypse. I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously, since I'm pretty deep into these things, like, I'm in favor of them as a whole, and you as know, a game, I'm, I'm, you're into I'm the game. zipping by yeah, people on the sidewalk. If they were, if they had Star Wars logos on them, really <laughs> <weird>. yeah. <laughs> I got the Millennium. Yeah, they like if they could possibly gamify these things more, I would not complain. Right. Star if, Wars, the trading game, scooter game, yes, yes. scooter game, all of that, all of that, and more. If I could get like smuggler credits for driving around the Millennium Falcon scooter, <laughs> right. Right. and then could log into my game at home and see that I've like shipped, you know more dilithium crystals or something, that would be the best. My scooter did the Kessel Parsec run in three blocks, man. All right? I did the, what was it? West Adams. I did South Adams. I did the South Adams garage run in six miles, man. <laughs> I don't actually know why it was the Big Lebowski combined with Han Solo. <laughs> on that. I don't really know why both of those Oh, work. man. 
I wish they made a big Lebowski for 2019 with all of the new stuff, but still have a very Zen dude who's just like kind of lets it all absorbs it all of it and is cool with it. I mean, that'd be a great it's movie. amazing to me. But I was saying to uh, I was saying a story before you came on that like that's the thing about um, the e-bike is that the uh, the e-bike supposedly you know a lot of people were down on e-bikes because they're like ah oh, it's you know it's a fake bike and you're not really pedaling. But they said that actually you do some pedaling and because the e-bike is so much easier, you use it constantly. So if you were like, all right, I'm going to work, but I got a bunch of hills. I don't want to take my bike. If you had an e-bike, you would do it. And so you are getting some benefit because you're just using it so much more. So actually, there's an argument to be made that the e-bikes really are the way to go. Like they really are the wave of the future because you'll get so much more use out of them. I mean... I've pushed along dead scooters with no battery to charge them in my garage to know what a pain in the ass it is to have a non-electric scooter and think that you have a vehicle. It's barely a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> you could do so much kicking to keep a scooter going. It's just like, why bother? Just walk. I just, I, it's, it is funny, though, that, that I, I feel like anytime there is this bizarre, not very effective sub-economy, Russ will be front and center of the bizarre, not effective sub-economy. Like, oh, guys, have you heard about the, the – have you heard the good news about uh, <laughs> basket transfer <laughs> sites? You drop a bunch of baskets off, and then you pick them up the next day and drop them at the other grocery store, and you get $0.05 cents per basket. So I once made $0.75 cents in two consecutive days. Like, I feel like that is you – are, you are the, like – you really are the guy like there's there's the people who love Uber and Lyft and then there's Russ who loves like all the stuff that Uber and Lyft aren't, you know, like all the other things. My grandkids will be looking at my will and they'll be like, oh, man, he left his Star Wars card trader digital collection to Jimmy. <laughs> but I got three Diablo three real money weapons <laughs> and he left his Pokemon collection to me. And it's just all these digital assets that don't mean anything. Exactly. All of this being worth nothing because they'll all have their, their sort of e effects. Yeah. The way Except that for Bitcoin, which had a mini rally this week. Hooray. I was just going to say, the problem is with this whole package is Bitcoin, which actually then absorbed enormous value. But we won't talk about that. Mm. But you did, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you brought it up and mentioned it. So. I, I, I'm often, I often feel terrible that I don't live in a Bitcoin mansion right now because there's really no reason that I shouldn't live in a Bitcoin mansion right now. It's just like I used Bitcoin to pay bills when it was worth a lot less than it is now. And then I'm like, oh man, remember all that Bitcoin that I sold for like pennies on the dollar? That was fun. That's sad. Yeah. I feel like every time I turn around, there's a different take on whether Bitcoin is any good or worth it or not. And it's just like, it's, it's good. Nope, it's collapsed. Nope, it's great. Well, nope. Here's the thing. If you are not a fan of our current administration, and okay. especially if... And most of us are. I, I was going to say, yeah, that's just easy for me. That's like the, um, the entry fee is like, Let's okay. Let's say yeah, you like oxygen. We don't yeah. like the current government. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, we've made this argument before, the current like absurdity of the current administration is the first inkling to many people that there's something systemically wrong with our government. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. so, well, and of course, as I say oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you can't pay Something systemically wrong. <laughs> 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 They're like, okay. systemically wrong that. with our surveillance. They're cutting yeah. the electricity, They're cutting the phone lines. Excuse me, I heard that we got some e-scooters here. 
Um, If you have a clue to that and then you start going, huh, there's a lot of shams built into this, you know, municipal and federal government systems that we have. And then you start looking at the history of the U.S. dollar and how it used to be backed by gold and then Richard Nixon stopped all that. Right. And now it's backed by we say so and, you know, military force. Um, Then you start to think about what, what is money anymore? And like, it's not even like, you know, 90% of U.S. currency exists digitally. It's not paper money. Most of it just exists digitally in bank accounts. And there's way, way more of it digitally than there is, you know, physical money. Then Bitcoin seems a lot more reasonable because it's like, oh, this is this decentralized currency that just people run that isn't under the whims of a government with fiat power and that can inflate it however much it wants. Well, the other amazing thing that I was thinking about with this, about you're saying, like, does it have any real value? And the, the thing with Bitcoin, especially, as Russ's life example knows, that if we haven't talked about this on a map report, Russ once had a value of that's equivalent to about $9 million, or not $9 million today, but like $9 million. Yeah, at its peak. At its peak, yeah. At its peak. Yeah. At the peak of Bitcoin. So, but the thing is, the thing that matters is not whether it has value, like, ultimately. It's just whether the value will go up a certain amount in time and still be tradable back, right? And so my illustration for this is I recently started playing Predicted a little bit. And I realized, like, and the, you know, the first thing I did, because this is my huge political advocacy, is that, like, Joe Biden will get no delegates and is a total joke, and I can't believe we're still talking about Joe Biden in 2019. And so I immediately bought, like, sell Joe Biden, basically shorting Joe Biden, like, no chance is he, because, you know, and he was the front runner at the time, and I was like, no, he will not get the Democratic nomination, and this was, like, a week and a half ago before all the scandals broke. And, um, and I realized, like, it's not actually important what the ultimate outcome of Joe Biden is. It's that if his perception crashes in time, then I will be fine either way. Like, I happen to be buying it for the sake of betting that he actually would not do well ultimately. But, but that doesn't matter. It's just about, like, can you make enough money in the interim on him perceptually crashing for a while at a point where you can sell it? And I think Bitcoin's kind of the same thing. Like, but at the same time, like the ultimate thing, like every currency eventually crashes. So ultimate isn't the standard anyway, right? Like the dollar will eventually go down. Right. Well, I mean, all of these things are, are as you said, are based on perception, right? right? The perception of their value. So in a way, it, it it's all dependent on how long people agree that it's valuable. Yes. Yeah, you know, essentially. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could just always agree that it'll be valuable. Like, how about that? We'll just always agree. I mean, we well, the, could. There's also, you know, and these are all... <laughs> are we likely to? <laughs> sure. These are fairly, like, stock arguments for Bitcoin supporters, so I apologize for being cliche. Uh, but, so there's the... This brought uh, to you by MEPCoin. Yeah. Have you bought your MEPCoin exactly. today? Yeah. Dude. Uh, so petrodollars, right? Like the argument as to why our currency hasn't become super over hyperinflated over the years is that for many, many years, it was the only allowable currency that you could trade for purchasing oil because of our hegemonic fiat power. We made it. So that was a lot of our foreign policy policy was backing the fact that petrodollars were us dollars. Um, and so this has changed, especially over the last five years, you know, 
China and Russia don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't know which org it is, the WTO or whomever is setting up like what they call a basket of currencies that they're going to trade oil in. So the, the original purpose of it was that we could continue to inflate our currency over and over again and other countries around the world would always scoop up US dollars because it had this value that other currencies didn't. And it's no longer the case. And so the argument goes, once the US is no longer the petrodollar, then the chickens will come home to roost and all of this money we've been inflating and printing to pay our debts to other countries they won't be as excited anymore to accept dollars and then the hyperinflation will begin. And that's why it's so important to have a non-inflationary or at least an algorithmically inflationary currency like Bitcoin, where you know exactly how many Bitcoin will be in the supply at any given time and it won't change. But I mean, that's theoretically right, but there's, but there's always just something that, that seems to not work with, like at some point, it's, there's always a point where I'm like, so Bitcoin isn't working again now, right? And then all of a sudden there's like this big flurry and then it's like, okay, it's kind of working. Now it's not working again. Oh, yeah. Like it feels I mean, like not look, very it, stable. If today everyone in the US tried to convert their money to Bitcoin and use it to make everyday purchases, like it would have a, the, the network would have a nuclear meltdown. And it, it would, would also like, be worth like, you know, $12 billion. Yes, it would be worth $12 billion <laughs> a piece. Man. And transactions would take like a week to process. So like going to the grocery store, like the, the transaction would go through in a week. And everyone would like so capitalism sold. Yeah, yeah. That, that's late. Right. And graphics <laughs> cards again would be impossible to get. You guys knew that, right? That for a while mm -hmm. you couldn't get graphics cards because they were using them for basically mining. And so they were essentially all like driven. They were way expensive. And so a lot of there was a point where Bitcoin people were getting pitted against pissed off gamers which was an odd group. Like I wouldn't have expected it like peace with yourself gamers versus Bitcoin for all the marbles. Um, That's pretty Which, is, which is, and I'll tell you right now, my money is not on the Bitcoin people in that scenario. Like if you keep people away from their games, that is not, they will not, right. that'll not go for long. Just use your super powered gaming PC to mine Bitcoin in your downtime to keep yourself even and pay for your video card. Right. Which, you know, forget about the environmental effect. and, and Well, you know, I don't buy that whole thing of like, this is how much power and resources the Bitcoin network burns. Like, I bet you anything that Call of Duty is like way more environmentally harmful in terms of how many computers are running it or Minecraft or something like that than the Bitcoin network. They just... Except that they do this in, in spurts, right? There's literally like, not a computer alive that is currently running Call of Duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But what's the environmental impact of Drew Carey hosting The Price is Right? Like how many TVs running on fossil fuels have been pumping out Drew Carey on The Price is Right for how many years? Like, and what is the environmental cost of that may be person? one of the most bizarre switchovers that I have ever heard in my <laughs> life. So, it's so no, we're going from Bitcoin to Drew. You should be able to answer this question for yourself. How many people do you think actually watch Drew Carey and Price is Right at the daytime same time? TV? I think that he's on daytime TV so much. For an hour. That For an hour. That their TVs on all day just so that it catches some no, Price is Right. Is okay, that is the most thing you've ever said. I am now not with Russ. <laughs> they leave their TV on waiting for Drew Carey's Price is Right to be on. And then they're like, well, that was a good time. I'm going to turn down the volume and go away now because Drew Carey's not on for another 23 hours. Like, 
What are you talking about? The Bitcoin version is literally while you're away, it's just mine, 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 mine. Whereas in your scenario, it's I'm going to leave my TV on because show, 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 23 hours later. Drew Carey, Price is Right. Like, what is it? And of all things to use as a comparison, not even a popular thing, not even something, but Drew Carey with Price is Right. Like, I, how, how much fossil fuels have 24 hour news networks banned? Uh, uh, consumed through the you know. not as many as continual 24 7 bitcoin mining no, i don't agree i don't agree <laughs> yeah lulu's got it right she lulu knows the drill big time she's like yeah. why is daddy not doing a thing with me right now doing <laughs> you know it's like i would learn to bitcoin mine if it meant daddy <laughs> daddy okay. i will spend yeah. will you spend more time with me if i mine bitcoins in my <laughs> yeah, whole time exactly. God, if there are a way for us to run electronics mining Bitcoin, that would be, I'd be all over that thing. I like at the end of this, we get to actual child labor. As as we come to the end, close to an end of another show, Russ is essentially in favor of child labor so long as it leads to more Bitcoin mining. And of course, uh, if you're looking to the future of this sort of thing, um, one of my favorite very tiny alt cryptocurrencies is called IOTA, which is the Internet of Things cryptocurrency. of course, their uh, blockchain is called the Tangle, which is just a super catchy name. Get a look. Uh, of course. I like that you say, of course. And of course, theirs is called the uh, Blue. But of course, the idea is that, you know, since all, everyone's appliance in their household at some point is going to have some kind of computer processor in it, um, that, yeah, that your toaster is going to be mining, you know, Internet of Things cryptocurrency while it's just running on its network. So instead of having to run you know, spending time with your video card, just every appliance in your house will be mining cryptocurrency while they communicate with every other appliance in your house. That is the thing, by the way, that I just, the the whole business of like all these things would sort of, they're like, they were worried about like, what's the sort of the ability to hack? I'm like, well, you could start with having a, let's see, 11 year old TV, like I do, uh, a microwave that is the cheapest microwave that I could get. Uh, like I, I don't have this, like we, we do not have a smart thermostat that is, you know, connected to the internet. Why do I need to have my thermostat connected yeah, to the internet? That happens to have a Why? microphone just in case they want right. to record everything that goes on. Right. In your exactly. Life. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will never have Alexa anywhere near this house. We will never have whatever the Amazon equivalent is. Amazon Alexa. Amazon Alexa yeah. What's the one that's the go? Oh, Go. Echo what, no, no isn't Google Alexa or something? There's like Amazon. Two, there's, yeah. There's Siri. That's Apple, right? There's George Orwell, and then there's... Uh, <laughs> there's Hal 2000, and there's... Yeah, right. Yeah, like, there's, there's... That's the thing. Like, I don't understand what... And that's another thing, too, that I just don't... I, I like, Alexa, play this. Alexa, play that. Literally, you're so lazy, you can't get up and go to the light switch and turn it on. We have to prepare for the post-muscular future, right? When our organs <laughs> just kind of dissolve into paper. The post-muscular like, future. Wally was right. Wally was right. Yeah. Wally was right. And by the way, that's also the uh, the underlying theme to H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Like the Martians right. with the giant brains and the little flimsy tentacles are supposed to be the future evolution of the human body. <laughs> yep. And that's, and by the way, that's, that's, see, and that brings us back to the House of Commons, because in the House of Commons and the House of Lords, you stand to give your speech, nobody sits down, and uh, when you sit down, when someone rises on, like, you know, will you give way, you sit down, and then you immediately get back up, and so you are literally doing, sometimes it almost looks like like you're doing prime, 
in the House of Commons now. Right. You're doing prime minister's questions. Like you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're like basically doing squats. You're doing, there's a lot of movement, dynamic movement. You got, it's like a sit stand desk on steroids. You're just constantly moving up and down. And that's the value of the House of Commons. We need to do that. Um, You know, like that is, that's where, and we take e-scooters to get anywhere. If we do that and then we don't mine for Bitcoin, you, you all follow me, right? I'm I I'm close. I'm really close. <laughs> I'm kidding here. I'll arrive sometime. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take my scooter to your point and I'll get there in six weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> and there'll be a pickup truck <laughs> being like, ah Oh my god. Well, believe it or not, gentlemen, we have uh an hour has passed away um as quickly IP hour <laughs> as apparently Bitcoin apparently did. And did uh, is Russ still with us or did we lose him? I'm still here. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, um, uh, we uh, an hour has passed, and we are uh, we have finished Frank, with the show. And yes, keep, keep declaring Bitcoin dead because this podcast is a time capsule, and we'll see how many years increments you declare Bitcoin to be dead. It'll be twenty forty five. It's like a hundred and seventy five thousand. Oh, it's long past the glory days of Bitcoin. But it's never. <laughs> the thing is, though, I will happily do that because I have yet to see when the glory days have arrived. Let me know when Bitcoin actually gets you something. <laughs> Other than more Bitcoin, like this yeah. is the ultimate Russ self-referential sim is where Russ is using Bitcoin by driving around scooters through LA and then getting them picked up by people yelling at him in pickup trucks. And as they pick him up from the pickup truck, the act of picking up the scooter is mining Bitcoin. That is the ultimate self-referential yeah. experience while watching Drew Carey on a portable no, bike. There, there's a meme on like Bitcoin subreddits that goes like, um, well, I've got all this Bitcoin. When should I sell it for dollars? And then Morpheus from the Matrix responds, by the time you sell your Bitcoin, you won't need to use dollars ever again. Or something like that. <laughs> it's like, it would be all the money. Never sell it. And that's how nobody actually ever gets real value out of it because they're always like, ha Morpheus meme. And that satisfies them for another five years. And then they go off and hunt more Pokemon. And that, I think, is an mm-hmm. example, folks, of what kind of analysis you actually get on this show. Thank you for listening, as always. It is our great pleasure to be with you, as usual. Please uh, check us out, give us feedback, do all that good stuff, and uh, spread the word on uh, Facebook and elsewhere on our social networks. And please mine us some Bitcoin and also Mepcoin. And um, if you see Russ is uh, riding around in a scooter and there's a pickup truck following him, just, you know, run some interference for us, just for us, please. Say goodbye, everybody. Mepcoin is available for listeners. Just contact us. We'll give you a whole bunch. True. And this is a time capsule. This is before Mepcoin is valuable. So if you're listening in the future, you will regret. They were right. They were right. Well, the last time I saw old man he knew him better da 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 He was chasing a female he knew him better da 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 As he shot past I heard him say She can't fly but I'm telling you She can run the pits of a kangaroo but I don't She can't fly but I'm telling you She can run the pits of a kangaroo
Well, there is a moral to this ditty, um, better did da da da. Frost can sing, but he ain't pretty, um, better did da da da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can round the pants of a kangaroo. Well, the cook a bar laughed and he said, It's true, um, better did da da da. Ah! 